We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, friends. Kirk Henderson and Josh Bowe coming to you just before 11 o'clock on Thursday, May 26th. The Dallas Mavericks fell to the Golden State Warriors in Game 5 of the Western Conference Finals 120 to 110, which completes the gentleman's sweep of the Mavericks. And uh, how are you, Josh? I'm doing okay. It's a bittersweet moment, I think. I mean, obviously we all wanted them to go as far as they possibly could. This was a pretty magical run. I mean, I think after that game seven against Phoenix, the felt like they could do anything i mean i think we were all riding pretty high and a lot of us picked them to win this series coming off that high but um you know not to be to be rude or 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 mopey or negative at all i I just earnestly am excited to go to sleep Uh, (laughs) so that's like another like you know i'm trying to look on the bright side of things because it was a great season and it sucks that it ended in a game that wasn't necessarily as competitive as you thought it could be but Hey, what are you going to do? The Warriors are good, and I think the Mavericks learned a few lessons about themselves. Yes, I think that's true. Um, I do think we should sort of sit on bigger picture thoughts for a couple of days and come back to some things maybe, you know, maybe Monday night. I think we all would like a long weekend. Um, Though, knowing me, I'll probably do something stupid because I can't (laughs) not podcast, apparently. Um. But you know, in this game as as a whole, for for anybody who watched it, the Mavericks got off to a to a a rough start. Um, Jason Kidd stuck with his Dwight Powell lineup, um, which I, I'm curious if someone will ever ask him about that because things felt awkward from the jump because not 
the Mavericks, Luca gave up like a, a, a roll layup from uh, Looney because of all the switching the Mavericks have to do. And then Looney grabbed an offensive board, literally took the ball out of Dwight Powell's hands, and the Warriors were off to the races. Um, the Mavericks answered and pulled close a couple of times in the quarter. But what happened was, and this really hasn't happened in the first half of this entire series, was the Golden State Warriors turned into, and hear me out, the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I really wasn't upset at certain parts of this game because what you saw was just bloody amazing execution from the Warriors. Shot making from Clay Thompson, a future Hall of Famer. Shot making from Steph Curry and Jordan Poole. Um, and even Draymond Green got in on the action. Like when he hit a corner three, I was like, okay, like, you know, this just isn't the Mavs night. And it was pretty embarrassing for a significant chunk of the game. And then the Warriors did what the Mavericks did in game four, where they just sort of let up off the gas and Luca finally came to life. Now the Luca element of this, I almost want to save for its own segment, but the Mavericks fought and fought and pulled within 10 repeatedly, but could not get it to single digits. And then when the Mavericks went uber small in the fourth, the Warriors offensive rebounding just ate them alive. Um, and, and offensive rebounds to a certain degree are 50-50 things where it's like, okay, you know, you're getting one out at 15 feet uh, because of a long three. But other elements back, come on, Looney just outworked and outsized the Mavericks. The Mavericks' inability to play Looney off the floor, which they made kind of a core component of this series game plan, was one of the reasons why they lost this series. Yeah, it's pretty frustrating to think that they could get through Rudy Gobert, DeAndre Ayton, but it's Looney, uh, the center that gave them really the most the most trouble. Um and man, what is it about Looney in closeout games? Uh, because in the closeout game against Memphis, he had 22 rebounds, 11 of them offensive. Uh, in this closeout game, he had 18 rebounds, seven of them offensive. Uh, I don't know. That's just uh, he just he can he can board when the games really matter. I guess I don't know. That's crazy. But yep. yeah, I mean he his ability to just like you said, stay on the floor. And you know, again, he's not. He's not creating offense, and yeah, he is playing somewhat of a similar role as Dwight Powell, but the difference is he's just so much bigger and, and, and a little bit more mobile and, and and stronger, you know, et cetera. Just, he's just more of an athlete, I think. And yeah, I mean, being able to get away with playing Looney allowed them to do a lot of things, allowed them to guard the rim well, which I think they did tonight, which I know Mavs fans and ourselves were a little perturbed as some of the non-calls at the rim but the Warriors being able to play Green and, and Looney at the same time for each getting 30 minutes I mean that just makes it harder to to score at the rim and the Mavericks are able to compensate because they're so good at getting threes and they still got threes 17 to 42 40 percent but yeah they just did not have an answer for Looney on the boards and you know it was eventually gonna you know they got out rebounded basically every game, every game against the Jazz mm -hmm. and the Sun, like every, like almost every game in the playoffs. Like it's gonna, you know, eventually it's gonna come back and bite you, and it kind of did a little bit in this series. But yeah, I can understand like to go through Gobert and to go through to through Aiden and to not, you know, for Looney to have this much of an impact. Like, like that's a bitter bittersweet pill to swallow for sure. Um, and to be honest, you know, the Mavericks did okay offensively. Like it was just. It was just defensively, I think, most of the series. I, you know, the Warriors, 
really tested the Mavericks scheme in a way that the Jazz and the Suns did not. And I've said this before this series that the war, unlike the Jazz and the Warriors, or sorry, unlike the Jazz and the Suns, the Warriors were not going to be a team to fold when things got tough. Uh, I think the Mavericks did a really great job at putting the Jazz and Suns in in uh, bad positions, and this, then those teams kind of helped themselves to to get out of the playoffs in some ways. Like, you know, you don't. You, know, you don't win by like almost 40 points in a game seven if the other team isn't kind of doing some boneheaded things, regardless of how well you're playing. And the Warriors were just never going to do that. They're just Curry, Thompson, Green. They're just not those guys. Uh, and Wiggins might be one of those guys, but he gets to be the, the fourth best player on the floor a lot of times. So, I mean, that's huge. So it was always, they were always going to have to play from start to finish. So the Warriors were never going to beat themselves like those previous two teams did at times. And it's tough, man. I mean, watching the Warriors in the half court and the Mavs in the half court and just the stark difference. And I'm not trying to say necessarily say one is better than the other, but like the speed at which the Warriors execute their half court offense compared to kind of the slow and methodical pace that the Mavericks play on the other end. It was like almost, you know, it just felt like two different sports sometimes. Like the Warriors are just, they're kind of a one of one team in terms of how to guard. Cause a lot of the league's getting a little congealed in how they play there's not another team that plays like the Warriors and that's probably because there's not another star that plays like Steph Curry yeah yeah and you look at the points in the paint was a big differentiation of the first two teams that they played relied on a lot of jump shots which just like the Mavericks do it's not a criticism but the the Warriors 50 to 8 or uh, 32 tonight and that's they've been beating the paint all game all uh series except I don't think they lost points in the paint in game four but if they did it was at least much much closer and Warriors just keep coming keep coming keep coming and there were elements of tonight where I thought the Maverick or the Warrior shot making was incredible like rookie Moses Moody hit like a turnaround 17 footer (laughs) with somebody draped on him and I'm just like okay okay, you know and and that's why it's like I think a lot of people were really upset to to for a significant portion of the game but and and again we're going to get to the Luca of it all in a little bit but I'm not sure it would have mattered D- does that make any sense is that a no, cop out no, are you talking are you talking about the refs I well I, I I'm just... not sure Luca playing better would have oh, made okay. yeah. it, it like Luca going on the 15-0 run after the game was decided sort of like changes the way this game feels but the Warriors beat the pants off the Mavericks. And even if Luca was scoring at a reasonable rate at the rim, I, they still would have been losing like the, what the Warriors were doing tonight yeah. was just a, a full, um, full throttle, uh, uh, defeat of, of what the Mavericks had hoped to achieve. And I find like, you know, everybody who's listening to this podcast has heard you and me and me particularly get steamed at this team for the last three years. And I can't bring myself to be too upset about getting beat by a team that has three Hall of Famers, a whole bunch of first round picks that are just, there's enough elements to this loss where I'm like, okay, okay. Like the seeds were there for the Mavericks to win it. You know, Iztok pointed this out uh, in his game four, you know, game four post, or I'm sorry. Yeah, it was game four. The Mavericks found edges where they could thrive, but it required like, but they found them too late. When you lose game two, what like they did, 
Yep. There's no more margin for error because they got blown out in game three. Do I have that right? All this stuff is blurring together. I mean, yeah, blown out in game. I mean, I don't know if it was a blowout, but yeah, there wasn't a lot of clutch time. They, you know, they lost by double digits. Uh, but they definitely got blown out in games one and tonight. Yes. So I need to then I need to go edit that in my recap. Whoops. I mean, game um, three wasn't game three wasn't super the Mavericks had a lead in the first half, and then Gold State kind of led from second half to the end of the yes. game, and it wasn't wasn't in doubt. Yes. Yeah, I need to go edit that in my recap. That's a misstatement. I I screwed uh-huh. I screwed something up. But I know but, um, it's like so it's like the once the Mavericks were down 0-2, it's it's getting back into it is so difficult. Like the the Phoenix thing is weird. Like we have to that doesn't happen very often. Yeah, and again, that's like kind of what I'm saying is that Phoenix had some players that are predisposed to, you know, wilting when the when the stakes are high. I mean, we have yeah. like I mean, there. How many times has a Chris Paul led team blown an O two, blown a two O lead in the playoffs? Like there's five just, times. There's this. <laughs> yeah, there's this history there, and that was Devin Booker's only second really deep playoff run. And you know, a lot yeah. of those. You know, they only had one playoff run the, the previous year. I mean, they. You know, that that was just. And they, they shoot jumpers. You know, it, it, the the fates just lined up, and and yeah. Um. It just, it, it's, yeah, game two was the game where, like, if they got that game, it just changes the whole series of this game they played well. And then the one thing, you know, with this this game in this series, though, is the Mavericks still kind of did their thing. Um, you know, like, normally when you see a game like this and maybe the score, you know, they lose by 10 in a closeout game, you know, you maybe think, that, oh, they just couldn't shoot. And you look at Luka and how bad Luka was shooting and how bad Brunson was shooting. But this team still finished 45% from the floor and, 40% from three, like they played offense well enough to win this game in, in a weird way. And they did it all series, even in the, in the, in game one. And even in game three, I mean, they kind of executed their formula. So they did what they wanted to do. The problem is they just ran into a team where that formula couldn't necessarily beat them uh, in a seven game series. And especially on the defensive end, you know, we saw in the first two games, the Mavericks were the first two series, the Mavericks were very good at, running shooters off the three-point line, and then being able to recover and contest and force the team to taking kind of those awkward, you know, in the paint, out away from the rim, floater range, long twos against Phoenix that bit them a couple times uh, because Phoenix likes taking those mid-range jumpers. But after game two, the Mavericks kind of tightened it up. In the series against Utah, I mean, Utah does not like to take those shots at all. They like to take threes, and the Mavericks just totally got into their heads there. And they were able to protect the paint while also running them off the line, which is a neat party trick. Like, that's really great. Uh, in this series, that just didn't happen. They were yeah. running the Warriors off the line, but the Warriors were getting layups and dunks instead of, you know, eight-foot floaters and 15-foot jumpers because the Warriors are just that good. And because they have five guys that can credibly take the ball from the three-point line and get it all the way to the rim. Uh, and not a lot of teams have that. And not yeah. a lot of teams – you know, it's hard to guard that. I mean, you can only ask Dorian Finney-Smith and Reggie Bullock to do so much. You know, a big thing with this series was, you know, I know Luka got attacked on defense, and we could talk more about Luka, I'm sure we're going to shortly, but there was nowhere for Luka to hide in this series, unlike the, you know, against the Suns, you could put him against Bridges or Crowder. Against the Jazz, you can put him against Royce O'Neal. You know, the Warriors, it's like, okay, you hide him on Wiggins. Well, as you know, as overrated as Wiggins has been at times throughout his career, I mean, the dude is still has the talent, like, of being the number one over. Like, 
he's not a, a stiff. Like he's he could still no, he's underperformed. He like yeah. yeah, yeah. Like he's still he's still a guy that can get twenty on you and, and take you from the back. Like he's got those those individual offensive ball skills. And, and then it's like okay, well you hide him on Draymond. Well Draymond loves attacking the rim and and his passing, and you don't necessarily want Luca, you know guarding those kind of rotations because Draymond's kind of a, a chaos factor on offense. And it's like, okay, you're not going to put him on Curry. And then Thompson scores 32 and tonight. You're not going to put him on Jordan Poole. And then, you know, they don't really play anyone else enough minutes to hide, you know, hide him. You know, Belicia played 22 minutes, but it's just tough. There's just, there wasn't an, an, a clear fit for, for where Luca is. And that's just a sign of Luca needs to what Luca needs to improve on in the offseason. But you know, it wasn't just Luca. It was like, well, where do you right. put Brunson? Where do you put Dwight Powell? Where do you put Spencer Dinwiddie to a degree? Like, you know, it was just, you know, the Mavericks were able to get by that with the matchups they got in the first round and, and just executing their formula, but it just it ran out against a team that just so superiorly out talented them across yep. the board. Yep. And you know, before we move on to Luca, I do want to at least make note of the fact that I was really, really really impressed with the Maverick role players that showed up. Yes. Um, we have killed Maxi Kleba rightfully for significant portions of this season. Same, and, you know, to a lesser degree, Dorian Finney-Smith, because he's good all year, but kind of in the playoffs was very give or take. He played outstanding tonight. Maxi played outstanding tonight. Spencer Dinwiddie was really the only reason this wasn't a 40-point game. Yes. At certain points. Um, <laughs> yes. Just his kind of like crazy shot making. Um, that Luca pass at halftime or no into the first quarter, uh, where it was like a bullet time, like curving pass to the corner from the opposite side to right into uh Dinwiddie's shooting pocket was one of the most incredible passes I've seen all playoffs. But you know, he was really good, though he's he was if if we're being real about this, he was a turnstile on defense. And he's too he's too athletic for that. And um hopefully as his leg gets better and the Mavericks can work with him within their defensive structure, um, he has to be better. Um, but uh, you know, that's a quibble compared to when we we're like, is this guy able to play basketball? <laughs> like yeah. that was the question against the Jazz. So just really pleased with that effort. And the way things moving forward, um, you know, the Mavericks entered the offseason, you know, the the likelihood, just not to be too big picture, but like the likelihood is the Mavericks, it's going to be difficult for them to do anything. We're going to be talking more about this, but the Mavericks are sort of boxed in depending on what their choices are. Um, and let's say they were to decide to sort of run this team back. I, I entered the offseason with a better taste in my mouth than I would have thought because of these guys you know, with the one exception of Dwight Powell, who I just don't understand as much as I appreciate his regular season value. He, he can't be played in the playoffs. Um, I, I just, I, I like the, 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 the top six ish, five. there's five to six guys that I really feel the Mavericks can try to roll out another year to see what would happen if that's the choice they make. Yeah. And I think the difference, you know, going into this off season compared to the others. And I think we've said this throughout the season, is, you know, I think a lot of people tried to give us grief when we kind of turned around on the team in the second half and they started winning. And, and I think a lot of people were trying to be like, oh, well, this is just the same team that you guys were killing, you know, the last two years. And I was like, well, wait a minute. They they made a trade. They traded Chris Stops. They traded their second most important player of the last three three years, you know, outside of Luka. Like, and what did me and you have been screaming about for the last three years was just they had to change up this group of guys and they did in a big way. I mean, 
And that makes a big difference going into this offseason because they've already kind of shaken things up and it's not going to be the same thing, same old, same old. Now, maybe that, like you said, it happens again this summer. But, you know, Dinwiddie at least showed something in these last couple games because, like you said, in the Jazz series and most of the Sun series, it was looking bleak. But I got some good news. Last seven playoff games for Dinwiddie, he averaged 18.3 points per game on 55% shooting from the floor and 53.3% shooting from three and 89% almost 90 on his free throws which was kind of a a bugaboo for him uh, at the start of the playoffs so that's really encouraging to see him finish out the playoffs like that Um, and that can maybe be a building block him being good like that you know we were hoping that what he was doing in the regular season wasn't a mirage and I think he's shown you know maybe he is not as good as he showed in the regular season but he's not as bad as we thought, you know, like there were times during this playoff run, I think we were like, oh, it's it's Washington Dinwiddie. He's he, this is him. Here he is. But I think he recovered enough in these last handful of playoff games to give hope going into the season and him being a capable, productive top four or five rotation guy, I think changes the way you can build this roster. And and I know we try not to talk about we're trying not to talk about offseason stuff going forward, but just his performance in these in this series in the last couple of games of the Phoenix series, I think just makes whatever they can do in this offseason, you know, it it just opens things up. Whether his trade value is higher or whether they feel more comfortable trading other pieces because they think they can rely on him. Like him just being good and not being what he looked like in Washington just I think changes, you know, how I feel about this team going off season. But again, this game specifically, I mean, you're totally right. He was he was the difference between this being a marginally close game to being like a 40-point laugher. Sure. Well, all right. Now I think we got to kind of talk about Luca because <laughs> this was a, a Luca experience. Um, oh, man. Luca played, and I think I've not read any of his post-game quotes. I'm sure his post-game quotes are going to be, and really in any of his exit interview stuff, I'm sure he's going to be particularly scathing upon himself because – you know, in the first half, he was two of twelve. Uh, I think he shot four threes, missed them, missed them all, and then the only—I don't think he made any shots at the rim in the first half. Um, he was extremely frustrated by his own inability to finish, paired with the inability of the refs, refs' willingness to call anything in in the at the rim, and it resulted in. Almost the textbook perfect example of a half in terms of what we and anyone that is, you know, willing to criticize Luca have been talking about for the better part of three years. And he 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 didn't get back on defense a couple of times. He hung his head real low. He is a super passionate guy. This is not a criticism of his passion, but he has to figure out a healthier balance when things aren't going his way. And he was a big part in the, in the, in the warriors going off. Now we've already said the warriors going off. I still think it was sort of inevitable. So I'm not (laughs) hanging this on Luca, but he didn't help. And one of the things as he matures and, and develops some, semblance of 
restraint when it comes to his his uh and maybe he never will because he's such a passionate guy and if he never does that's okay because you know what he could he could be thanos snapped and he's an nba hall or he's a he's a basketball hall of famer so man but it's it's just a thing in his game that results in some very frustrating circumstances and it was really painful to see it in an elimination game against the warriors yeah, I think the play we're all thinking about, uh, everyone listening, and what me and you were thinking about is, you know, in the first half of that third quarter, he misses that layup. Uh, Clay is guarding him, misses the layup. He immediately just stops playing, dips his head, then jogs back, and then Clay, you know, run down, runs down the floor and hits. I think it ended up being a long two or a three, you know, just a wide open jumper. And that was the point I think everyone, I mean, the timeline was kind of over it. I think everyone was kind of like, wow. Um, And that was, that was really disheartening at the time, like in real time, because I think the thing that we've seen with Luca is he will go down swinging. Uh, And I think when a lot of people try to make the James Harden comparisons to him, our retort, even though we have been critical of of Luca at times in terms of his body language and, and and where he needs to improve with his fitness We've always been like, okay, well, he's not, you know, despite all of that, he is a competitor from the opening tip to the final buzzer. And it was the first time I can really remember in a game that really mattered, you know, not playing the Thunder in Oklahoma City on a second half of back-to-back, you know, and a game that that had stakes and, and was really crucial. It was the first time I felt like he was just kind of letting his foot off the gas and mm-hmm. he wasn't all the way there. And... That is, again, a testament to Luca that that's the first time I've thought that of him in three or four years he's been playing, you know, NBA basketball. So, again, he has set the bar so incredibly high that it does feel a little unfair at times to kind of rail him for this one moment and this one game. But, again, he is the leader, and it starts with him. And I think it was especially frustrating because at that time, you know, Dinwiddie was making shots. Finney Smith was making shots. Maxie was making shots. Uh, and you kind of felt like, man, like you never – we're so used to Luka being superhuman in every playoff game that it was really – I never really considered what it would look like if he just had a total dud. And at that moment, that's what that game was for him, a total dud. And it was one of the few times you could ever say, this game's on Luka. You know, you know, we can always come back around to his role players not making enough shots, but, you know, they were doing their jobs – defensively and offensively for the most part and to see that play and 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 how it went down was discouraging and then of course it feels feels like immediately after that he rips off basically single-handedly a 15 to 2 run to get it back in and that's where you remember okay this is this is the guy you know he's still 23 he he needs to learn and grow and mature a little bit more but i feel like that run kind of it definitely calmed down some of our riders in slack i know matthew was was at the end of his rope at times during this game. And I think seeing how Luca responded after that really down moment uh, gave all of us a little bit of hope, uh, even if they didn't. We knew they weren't really going to win the game, but um, that just kind of that helped a little bit. But another thing, I know I'm kind of rambling on a little bit, but I just wanted to say another thing that I'm interested about how this goes for Luca going forward is this was kind of this playoff run was kind of the first time he's looked a little bit more mortal than normal 
I mean, he's still got his counting numbers. I mean, he's still average. Very inefficient. Two. Yeah. He was very yeah, inefficient. It, it's okay to say five, that. He was by well, far yeah. the most inefficient playoff yeah. run he's ever had. Like, yeah, not, even, I mean, he, not even close. But he did. He was injured. Right. And, and I wonder how he much he was injured on a plant doing. foot. And he, he, you know, I don't want to say he never looked quite right to me in elements of his game. Now, he did have some like stellar performances shooting, but. If we're being kind like, and I'm not sure if it's just because the defense is better, and I think this might be the case, but it's just the the challenges of getting to the rim for him were pretty evident in this in this playoff run, where mm-hmm. I did not feel like he had those challenges against the Clippers. Yeah, he did, he was lacking a burst for sure. And again, calf, how much of the how much of that was still coming back from the calf? Um, he shot 46%, 35% from three, you know, definitely two of the lower numbers. I mean, he shot what, like 41% from in this series, which is like, he's never shot that bad in a playoff series before. Like, I mean, he set the bar so incredibly high. These, those two playoff series against the Clippers that again, this, and again, I wonder like how much of that goes into what he does in the off season, because, you know, he ended the, the, the the Clippers two Clippers playoff series you know he was brilliant throughout but particularly the final games he was incredible and the final game against in, in 2020 the final game of 2021 I mean he was absolutely remarkable like you know almost I think he had like 45 in game seven last year and I wonder if there was a part of that that led into you know he hasn't really faced the true adversity to his individual game like you know the Mavericks had faced an, a, a, adversity as a team. But in terms, like, you could almost say from Luca's perspective, he's like, well, I got mine. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I, you know, this team just needs to get better. Now, I'm not trying to say that's what Luca's thinking, but I mean, there's just a natural sense of like he was so dominant in those two playoff runs. I kind of understand why he might have taken those two off seasons a little bit lighter than maybe he should have in terms of fitness. I mean, he came. You know, you know, I mean, it's a, the, the off seasons were weird. That's yeah, the they are thing. also like, weird. they're all yeah, condensed. Sure. Like, it, there's. There's something to the hope that his first real offseason since between his rookie year and his second year could could bear some fruit. You know? Yeah, totally. And I think so. it just helps. This is he's entering an offseason where, for the first time, I feel like in his basketball career, he doesn't have all the answers. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if that means something that makes something different. I don't know. I'm just now. I'm just like playing armchair psychologist, which is never never a great thing to do with these guys. Well. You know, this was a really fun season. Um, we're gonna the the interesting part. I need to figure out what the I know elements of this, but doesn't free agency happen in August now? Isn't that a thing, or am I, am I making that up? Uh, I don't know. It's been a while since we had a normal off season. I feel like so. It, it might. I think it is. Let's see here, I'm just googling. Real time googling on the podcast. So the so yeah well the new league year starts on July first twenty twenty two but when is what we're talking about in terms of so the finals June thirteenth draft at the end of the month okay now moratorium at least according to to what I'm looking at here um, it's off season is still like the the just after July fourth right around the sign of of right around the time of summer league um, so we'll have you know. I think what we're going to do is probably, you know, take a couple of days, get our kind of bearings because you've been grinding. 
I have been grinding to the point to where I think I may like I, I I don't know how to turn it off, but I, I think I need to for a couple of days because it's it's kind of affecting other elements <laughs> of my life. Um, I was supposed to get Salesforce certified this year, and I just haven't done it yet because <laughs> I I just can't find like too much basketball stuff. But you know, we'll be back probably with you know some some what do you want to call it? Kind of like post mortems on you know players on the season. We'll start kind of talking draft with people who are interested in that. We've already got some yep. draft stuff up because, I mean, the draft is in a mo- is less than a month. Um, yep. 23rd of June? Yeah, 23rd of June. So we got three and a half weeks. And, again, we said it in 2020, but it's even it's even more true now. Like, a dr- this draft matters. And if you don't <laughs> think it matters, I point you to the Golden State Warriors who had two rookies play significant minutes in this series in, in you know in this game and series Moses Moody and uh Kaminga like signing good players is matters and I'm not it's possible. So anyways, we'll talk about that more in the coming weeks and days um yep. and then we'll probably pivot to you know free agency stuff. I suppose like the real dead point in our calendar is going to be August and that's fine. Um, I don't think we'll post at the schedule that we've been doing, but maybe I will. Who knows? I'm weird. Um, and plus I just like talking basketball. So for everybody that's joined us this season, because we have somehow come very close to eclipsing our 2021 (laughs) download, uh, you know, our, our average, like uh, we've, we've kind of doubled our viewer, like our, our subscriber rate. Um, it's been great. It's been fun. Uh, it's been rewarding. It doesn't feel like we're talking into the void and I'm grateful for that. Same for me. It's been, I mean, best season in over a decade, maybe one of the best, better seasons we've seen in the last 20 years uh, in terms of just how enjoyable it was to watch. So I appreciate everyone that came along for the ride. We're definitely not done, but we probably need to take a little little break over the next week. Totally, totally. Okay, um, I think I'm going to go post a uh, Spotify green room, and then we will talk a little later. So this has been Kirk Henderson and Josh Bow, and I will talk with you guys uh, a little later in the week. Bye, guys. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.